This morning, we are continuing in our series, Hope in the Morning, a study through 1 Peter. And so you can already get your Bibles out. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Growing up, I loved the San Francisco 49ers. I watched every football game in nervous sweats. When they had an early game, I can remember begging my mom to leave right after church on Sundays to go home and make the last part of the game. When they won the Super Bowl in the 94-95 season, I think I was more excited than a kid who just got his first puppy. When I was about six, I saved up all my money and bought a 49ers hat. Now, after that point, you didn't see me not wearing my red and gold hat, showing off my love for the 49ers. Over time, it got so dirty and sweaty and grimy, but I didn't care because I wanted to show off that I was a true 49ers fan. We, as a culture, spend a great time and money showing off things, don't we? We love awards because it shows off an expertise or a skill that's better than everyone else. We build statues and fancy museums to show off art history, science. We made Michael Jordan a billionaire after retirement because we bought his shoes because we wanted to be like Mike. We have built a $5 billion stadium in LA to show off two football teams that didn't even make the playoffs last year. Have you ever been to Times Square? It's filled with signs showing off products for you to buy. People spend years of their life working out to strut around and show off their Arnold Schwarzenegger-esque bodies. We buy highly engineered cars, boats, and houses to show off. If you go on a vacation and don't post about it, did it really happen? Hashtag blessed. What do you like to show off? I mean, being today that is Mother's Day, we all should want to show off our mothers just a little bit. I love you, Mom. But other than that, what do you like to show off? Or another way to put it, what does your life point to? While you think about it, let's get into our passage this morning. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of salvation. This passage is key to the next section in this book in 1 Peter. It is a lot packed into just two verses. First, all who find Jesus to be the living stone, the cornerstone of the church and their lives, like we discussed last week, they have committed their lives to following Jesus as their Christ and Savior, as foreigners, exiles, sojourners in this land. This is, this is not our home. Like when you're keenly aware, whenever you travel to a faraway place that you are not home and you are a foreigner, the food is different. The dress is very different. Most people don't look like you. The language is not understandable. You know, like Boston. This is not your home. 
Like the Apostle Paul says in Philippians 3.20, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our citizenship is in heaven, not here. And so we are not here just to do whatever we want for the rest of our lives before going home. This is not a vacation, but a work trip. And we have two jobs. First, we are to abstain from the passions of our flesh. It starts with our passions, our desires. Next time you go to the grocery store, socially distance, of course, with a mask and gloves, just look at the covers of Us Weekly and all the other magazines when you're checking out. Don't all the people on the covers look miserable? They're filled with all these people who are finding the emptiness of this world after obtaining everything they have ever desired. Our passions are self-serving and self-promoting. As the text says, our soul is battling against them. A war is being waged within the very fabric of our being. This struggle isn't just something on the surface, but takes place down to our core. This is a deeply rooted fight taking place within us. So our first job is to abstain from our natural passions. Second is to keep our conduct honorable in this world. We are to replace our naturally selfish desires with honorable conduct, replace it with virtue and goodness. In order so our goodness and virtue would be apparent to all in society, contradicting the very narrative that society is telling about Christ's followers. This is the exact message Jesus had on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, where he says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Our actions are supposed to cause others to give glory to God. But these two jobs come down to one main idea. And if you get anything out of today, I want you to remember this. We are to show off God through us. Show off God through you. Now, I'm not talking about wearing Christian t-shirts and placing a fish on the bumper of your car. We're talking about getting your hands dirty for Christ, called to goodness and virtue in our communities, and resulting in contradicting narratives of those who think we'd be better off without Christians or Christ and his church. We see this right now. Since quarantine started, porn has increased, alcohol sales are up, abuse has skyrocketed, yet those who follow Christ are called to live differently or live as foreigners and don't give in to our natural desires. We have witnessed this all over with this COVID-19 situation. One that has been new this past week was when Samaritan's Purse set up a hospital in downtown New York in Central Park. In March, when the hospital was set up, you had city officials, politicians, and even the mayor trying to discredit Samaritan's Purse. Now, Samaritan's Purse was offering free medical aid to all people, but this barrage of words came because Samaritan's Purse holds to what they believe the Bible says on social issues. Now, I don't know if you remember, but we partner every year with Samaritan's Purse with Operation Christmas Child, 
where we fill boxes full of toys to send them to children around the world. We have sent thousands of boxes with Samaritan's Purse throughout the years. This past week, helping save hundreds of lives in New York, Samaritan's Purse Hospital was closed down, and many of the same politicians took direct and ungrateful shots at the organization. But this hasn't gone unnoticed. It hasn't gone unnoticed by the hundreds of people that were helped. It hasn't gone unnoticed by some of the media. Look at this excerpt from an article from the New York Post from this past Tuesday, where it says, Nothing justifies the lack of respect for Samaritan's Purse's workers, who put their own lives on the line when New York was in danger. There could be no greater proof of the sincerity of their faith or their commitment to helping those in need in the image of their master. Yet, instead of receiving our profound thanks, they've been run out of town by hack politicians who think scoring culture war points is more important than saving lives. Talk about letting others who would never think of God, who would never go to church, who would never open a Bible, see God showing him off in all his glory and splendor and care and love through us. Show off how he first loved us, even while we sinned against him. Show off his ability to, to be unshaken by other mistreatment and selfishness. Show off his willingness to lose in the moment to win the life. When we keep our conduct honorable and work for the good, of our communities, others will see us yet glorify God. When we show off God, others won't have any other excuse other than to worship God. Your actions, my actions, our actions are a part of evangelism. After encouraging us to show off God through our lives and actions, Peter starts to point out in several different social orders within their society, how believers are to operate within them. Now, these social orders aren't exactly the ones you or I would expect, but I believe that we have much we can learn from them. The first social order Peter directly looks to is government. I mean, why not? We're already talking religion. Let's talk, talk politics. Let's look. Read at verse 13. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Now, when you think about it, the government these first century Christians were under didn't offer as many protections or rights to an individual as we have now. Human and civil rights wasn't even an idea people had yet. If the governor or emperor wanted to throw you in jail, you were in jail. And when you read through the Old Testament, many kings did what was right in their own eyes, which didn't usually end well for those people under him. Or 
If you have ever studied the history of the church, you would know that Nero, who is just about to become emperor, if he isn't already, he is a bad dude. Yet, even with the shortcomings of human rulers, Peter tells us that Christians are to be subject or to obey them, as well as to honor them. Now, for us, this directive comes at an interesting time. We have been quarantined to our homes. All state and local parks have been closed. All beaches had been closed and are partially reopened. Well, during all this time, local authorities have not been enforcing what the governor has mandated. You have some that want stricter social distancing rules, and then you have others who are ready to be set free, ready for everything to open up, declaring a great tragedy has happened and taken place to our personal freedoms. It is a mess. As Christians or followers of Christ, what is the right thing to do? Who do we listen to? For us, it comes back to how do we show off God through us? This isn't a red-blue thing. This isn't a liberal conservative thing. While being subject to our human invention of government, how can Christ be lifted up through our choices? Most times this comes at the expense of personal preference. And I believe we should be proud of all Christian churches in this time. Across our nation, somewhere in the high 90s percent of churches are not meeting due to COVID-19. Even though we could fight and argue that it is our right under the Constitution to carry out our expression of faith, the body of Christ, and go forward meeting, I believe that it has been showing how Christians really do care for their community. We love our neighbors as we love ourselves by not meeting. It's the small number of churches that continue to meet that have made the news, and it's never in a positive light, and it never shows God for who He is. I know for us as a church, we desire to meet again on our campus, and what a great day that will be when we have our grand, grand, grand opening. We are doing everything we can to get back to meeting together. I miss seeing all of you every week. Yet we are listening to our government officials in order to do so by the restrictions handed down to us by our leaders placed over us. We will continue to pray and ask for wisdom as to when to resume and how to do so in order that it serves God, honors people, loves our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, and honors our government. It is our desire to show off God even how we meet together and what it says in our care for the community. We don't want to give anyone any reason to discredit God because of us. But as the text says, if we maintain honorable conduct in line with showing off God, we will silence the ignorance of foolish people. In our posture towards our leaders, how do we show off God? Peter has just asked believers to submit to their government authorities. And next, he looks not to the top of the power food chain, where you would think you'd get the most accomplished. Similar to the powerless position people were in at the time with their government, Peter speaks to the powerless of his day. Slaves. Slaves. 
Now, slavery was a little different than what we think of here in our history in America. But being a slave was not something to be desired. You were the physical property of your master. And slaves 2,000 years ago still endured hardship and abuse, depending on the mercy of their masters. Peter in no way is advocating for slavery, but why didn't Peter, or Paul for that matter, ever denounce the institution of slavery? The simple answer is that Peter and Paul weren't looking to just be social revolutionaries, but spiritual revolutionaries through Christ Jesus. When a Christ revolution takes place, the whole society benefits, and absolutely there will be social change. Looking for spiritual renewal, Peter is advising those within the current rules of the society and structure of their day. Let's see what he says. Look at verse 18. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrow while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin, you're beaten for it and you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. Peter calls upon all slaves because of how Christ has transformed their life to faithfully serve their masters. Not only the just masters, but the unjust ones as well. Peter calls it a grace to suffer unjustly for things you didn't do. Yet through faithful service, masters will see God being shown off in their servants. Peter, starting with the bottom of the totem pole of social power, is speaking directly to slaves. But everyone would have heard these words and would have been convicted. If slaves are to respond like this, then think of how the rest of us are supposed to respond. Even slaves with no authority or influence had opportunities to show off God. If slaves are to live out their newfound faith with all the difficulties, the rest of the household had no excuse but to find a way in which they are to show off God too. Now, most of us don't deal with slavery every day in our lives. So, how does this apply to us? All of us have had to submit to various authorities in our lives. For many of us, it's a boss, a parent, maybe a teacher. How we submit under their authority will dictate if we show off God to the authorities in our lives or not. You might be asking, how do I submit in my situation? This isn't fair, it's unjust. And in no way am I advocating to stay in an abusive situation. But I would say to live by your convictions. But many of us are like the secretary for an unjust boss. Just because we write up a letter from our boss doesn't make us unjust as well. But where does Peter point us when we're unjustly treated? The gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Start reading at verse 21 with me. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. 
When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Peter points us to the gospel of Jesus. Christ suffered so that we might follow in his steps. Jesus was wronged when he had done no wrong. He did not return rebuke for rebuke or attack when stricken. Because he has taken our biggest wounds from us, we can trust him in our current situations to be the overseer of our souls. Even when others speak of us wrongly, or our government shorts us or takes away what is ours, or a superior doesn't have integrity with us or others, we are called to show off God through us. For when you are in a hard situation, wondering how you can possibly show off God, I have found a very helpful tool. It comes from this book written by Jeff Vanderstelt called Gospel Fluency. And in it, he asks four questions when you find yourself in a difficult circumstance. And here are the four questions. One, how does the gospel bring good news to this situation? Two, what about the gospel do we need to hear right now? Three, what about the gospel have we forgotten or failed to believe? And four, how is Jesus better than what we have or what we want? So how does the gospel bring good news to this situation? Are we receiving what we deserve? No. And thankfully so. The gospel looks to redeem all situations. It gives us hope of a perfect judge in light of today's imperfect solutions to problems and structures in societies. What about God and and the gospel do we need to hear right now? God is great. God is glorious. God is good. God is gracious. What about the gospel have we forgotten? God is great, so we do not have to be in control. God is glorious, so we do not have to fear others. God is good, so we do not have to look elsewhere. God is gracious, so we do not have to prove ourselves. How is Jesus better than what we have or what we want? Jesus offers far more than we have or want. He offers freedom. Jesus offers more respect and care for you. Jesus is faithful. Jesus has bought you for a price with his life. Jesus is God. By our lives, let us give glory to God, being honorable, doing what is good and true in order that you may show off God through us. Dear Heavenly Father, as we have gotten into your word this morning. Lord, convict us, move us, help us to be people who put off the passions and desires of our flesh and be people who are out in our community bringing goodness and virtue, fighting for the things of you out in the public square. Lord, help us to be people who will show you off in all your glory and grace and power and mighty and love, so that others may see you 
and glorify you. And we pray this in your son's precious name.